it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. We are ready for the 2023 NFL season. It all starts right about now. Well, it does for us anyway. Season's still about 50-something days away, but it's fine. The preamble is part of it. So we've got most of the team together. We still can't find Charles Patterson. He is um, neck deep in paperwork and communication efforts for Scottish cricket, who, by the way, are doing bloody brilliantly. That's for another podcast. Um, But we've got everyone else here as we welcome back Paul Mitchell from Florida. We've got Ian Stephen. We've got Gordon McGuinness. We've got Jamie Borthwick for about 10 minutes. So we're getting straight into this. Um, Hello, everybody. And Jamie, because we have got you for just a short period of time, let's kick off with the breaking news because actually one of the things we were going to talk about was, is Saquon going to sit out the whole season? And the answer to that is no. Saquon. Saquon. One one (laughs) sentence in and he's already got a name wrong. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with Saquon Berkeley, as, oh, as we like to call him around these parts. Saquon Barkley. I had, right. to, work at, I had yeah. to work in a Channel 5 documentary. It's not out yet, but I had to work on it. And they were talking about uh, the Earl of Buffalo uh, um, and uh, Mary Queen of Scots. And uh, the preeminent uh, historian kept referring it to the Earl of Bothwell, which, uh, <laughs> which tickled me. But there you go. Sorry, Jamie. That's probably one of the, the, the kind of misnamings I've had in my in my years as well. Actually, I've had Braithwaite, I've had Bothwell. Bothwick seems to be a, a difficult one for people to wrap their heads around. Saquon Barkley, yes, he was never going to sit out the year, was he? He was never going to sit out the year. They both sides always wanted to get something done. They had some phenomenal amount of brinksmanship, and at the end of the day, they finally come to an agreement. Gives them a little bit more guaranteed money and a lot more incentives as well. And the incentives essentially will be activated if he has his best season ever. So I think it works out for both parties. And if the Giants make the playoffs. that There's incentives that are tied to that, it looks like. There are incentives that are tied to that as well, yeah. It, it's, um, not, it's not exactly a contract that really does away with a narrative that uh, running backs are not getting paid would be my my look at it absolutely not and when and when he's his his whole thing is that he's not getting what he is worth he's also not managed to get a no franchise tag clause put into this so (laughs) the the uh, the serious money so to speak will be on us being right back in the same situation this time next year and is this a one-year deal or is this him signing his franchise tag with some adjustments made to it? Well, it's a one-year deal. It's not a tag. It's not officially a tag. It will not go through as a tag. He missed that deadline. They can't. It's not the. It's not the yeah. franchise tag. Fine. Like you can. So effectively, it is like a renegotiation of what the tag is. So like once they miss the deadline, all you can sign is your franchise tag or a one-year deal but there can be negotiation on that one year so that it's not the exact terms of the franchise deal, which is what they've done here. Realistically, it's the 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 thing that's got him to show up is the $2 million in his pocket today. Yeah. Like So it, the, the same amount of the contract is still guaranteed, but instead of it being guaranteed and he gets paid once a week, he gets $2 million up front so that he gets his 
you know, gets his reason to show up now, basically. And is this then, uh, is this the best situation for everybody involved? Or does this favour Barkley more than it favours the Giants? Like, is this him putting himself in the shop window? Is it just a rerun of last year in theory? Like, where does this leave us? It doesn't favour anyone. Um because the Giants want Saquon Barkley and Saquon Barkley wants to be on the Giants, but the Giants want him on a long-term deal that's got value for his position, but that also means that he's counting less towards their caps this year, next year, etc., etc. Saquon Barkley doesn't want a market reset, but he thinks he's worth far closer to the top of the market than the franchise, franchise tag amount, which is 10.1, and he's now getting... 11 and as Gordon says he's got his 2 million pound signing bonus uh, and a bunch of incentives as well so neither side's happy both sides want this to work but there's still a long way to go before they actually do come to a long term solution on it Interesting times ahead Paul there's been talk of the town um, the last couple of weeks about running backs that they're undervalued they want something to change Seems like nobody can come up with anything necessarily to change it. This is well, a saga that's going to drag, right? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's a position that most GMs are confident, you know, that you can re- find a replacement. I mean, th- one of the best things that happened to running backs this week is not being hit by a jet ski and putting you out for a season. Um, when, I, when I read that he was out for a season, Heinz, you think, oh, what's he done? But he wasn't doing anything. Um, it's just well, one of these positions. Well, Paul, 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 he was doing one thing. He was sitting well, he was on, on a jet, jet ski. He yeah. was sitting on it, which might be enough to invalidate uh, the guaranteed portion of his contract because yeah. it could well be written into it that you're not allowed on vehicles like ATVs, jet skis, motorcycles because of previous... Yeah, I mean, there's usually, you know, skiing and all that sort of stuff. We'd be very interested to see what the language... Certainly, it might say a moving, you know, snowmobile or jet ski. I mean, he, he's unlucky, whatever whatever the way it is. I mean, these guys have got to enjoy themselves. But I think the message is, and Gordon's been telling us for a few years, that running backs just simply do not have the value of other positions, and teams are confident that if you've got the right line, the right blocking, and the right play call, that an average running back will do the job for you. So, you looking know? at... Look, Cameron, the, the way I would liken it is um, the, the level of kind of almost kind of trade unionist vitriol coming out from the running backs of the past week about we we deserve to get paid. It's reminiscent of uh, tube drivers in uh, London who they always talk about going on strike, working better in terms of conditions, etc., etc. But uh, all trains in London are about to become fully automated and there will be no train drivers left. So they're, they're going on strike for no reason whatsoever. They're, they're, that's, they're, that's absolutely mental. Paul, Paul Paul does the perfect impression of Ian that I have ever heard. It's, it's Ian's, Ian's voice with Paul's words. It's true. It is absolutely. It is absolutely true, though. They're in a position of that's diminishing returns in the NFL. Yeah. They, they, nobody wants to pay eleven million a season for somebody that they're now going towards a kind of running back committee attitude across the NFL. That's what the top franchises are doing. That's what the, Naeem Hines was the, part there's of. Also, there's also not, there isn't a good solution to this, right? So like I saw um, Dominique Foxworth had what people thought was the best solution. And it was that, uh, so the NFL has this um, performance, performance something or other package, 
and it generally benefits rookies, especially those not taken in the first round. So like fourth round rookie winds up starting at linebacker for the whole year. He gets a, a boost and Dominic Foxworth version of it was like, I think he was a fourth rounder, played most of his first year. His enhancement thing he got at the end of the year was actually more than his salary. So he was saying, you know, this is what you could do for running backs. Like if you play X amount of snaps, you get X amount of yards, blah, 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 blah. That's great in theory. But all that does is it incentivizes NFL teams to give lower initial contracts to running backs. So that doesn't solve it. Like there is not, and it's the the, the thing about this discussion, the, the, the worst thing I saw this week is like people genuinely blaming um, analytics for this. Pro Football Talk had a quote from someone that was like a, an executive saying blame analytics. And the actual quote, which they didn't run with, was blame Mike Shanahan and analytics. Like this, this running back value thing, you can actually look at salaries from the 70s and 80s and there's like a clear trend of the salaries in relation to other players dropping down in that whole span. This is not something that's just appeared in the last 10 years. It's something that even when running backs were getting paid more, the average was starting to shrink and we're just seeing it jump down. Now, it the, the best thing that they could do for this would be something whereby the draft didn't exist or... Uh, shorter first contracts, or, so, or, the, or the other thing is in enhanced image rights in the in college oh, for yeah. running backs. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and I think that's probably where the most value is to be gained. But in the NFL, the harsh reality for a running back is if you're taken in the first round, the NFL and it, your NFL team has your rights for five years, and then they connect you a franchise tag for one year, and that's going to be lower than what a lot of other positions are. Then you can hit you a franchise tag the second time. If you came into the NFL at 22 years old, those seven years, you now have the opportunity to hit free agency. You're 29. You've touched the ball 1,500 times. People no longer want to pay you money. It's it's awful for running backs because there's not a good solution. It's, it genuinely, compare it to the like the value prop and like I, I kind of hate talking about the value of running backs now because individually these are people who get battered 300 times a year. And I think it's quite shit that they don't get paid more given that it's just really hard to argue in a salary cap world how that's NFL... where the value sits yes yeah. yeah and this is it in a salary cap world where you've got to play your pieces this is the piece that doesn't carry the value um we're at a point as well it's funny you talk about this being a drop in the 70s and 80s i wonder how much of this is just these guys are the, unfortunately in the cycle where the running back value drops. Ultimately, what happens is this position will be undervalued for a few years. The, the, the fences will change to adapt to the passing play, meaning that suddenly in a couple of years' time, everyone's going to go, what we need here is a banging great running back and we're going to stomp all over everybody. Then so, the running back goes back up again. It's cyclical, we, right? But we, that doesn't help the people here right now. No, and we have seen that a little bit. So if you look at um, the Ravens draft last year, what they drafted was a center and a safety. And that's because with everything starting to, you know, white wide receivers could start to see their value drop a bit because there's so many talented wide receivers in the NFL now that if you can scheme that out, you're no longer going to have to pay with the exception of like the true number one guys. So what we're starting to see some teams do is, oh, well, actually the NFL is going to start to um, shrink and start to narrow on the field again because we've been spread out now. Now teams can run the ball. Oh, everything's going to have to get condensed in again. And that's why teams are starting to do that. It does feel also comparative that the average yearly salary 
for running backs is marginally worse than tight ends, but not wildly. Like, it's not a massive mismatch between a tight end and a running back. So it's not like they're the only position on the offense that's maybe not drawn the money. Um, you know, obviously, like, I mean, even Travis Kelsey's averaging 14 million a year or something like that. It's not a massive contract that he's on. So, you know, these are positions they've got important roles and tight ends getting banged up both sides. He's getting hit and he's having to hit um, probably more so than the running backs are. So, you know, it's, I do feel like it's cyclical. Uh, this is a point where we're we're paying our wide receivers who can bust the coverage, create the space. We've got a bunch of quarterbacks that can throw the ball. And we've got a bunch of quarterbacks that can run the ball themselves. Uh, and therefore, once the game changes in a few years and the other players come through to adapt to the style of the game at that point, running backs will have their day in the sun again. No. Probably not, no. no. Like, <laughs> I think they will. I think it were maybe about... Five to ten years, I think we'll be back to a running back heavy where they are able to draw. But but, but that, that's that's the point though. Like this, I'll try and find the tweet and I'll send it to you guys. Like comparing it to other salaries within the NFL, they've been consistently dropping since either the seventies or the eighties. Like it, it's been a consistent thing. It's not it's not some new computer analytics development. What was the name so, of the show? What was the name of the show that was on Netflix, Cameron? Just last week. Quarterback. Yeah, there you go. There's your answer. Oh, man, that, I mean, it's... That, that, that's, that's all the NFL are caring about is they don't want to see a running back running the ball 40 times a game. It doesn't draw in... The, we love it, but it doesn't draw in these casual fans that watch quarterback in, in Netflix and think, oh, I, I, I might tune in and see the next time Pat Mahomes plays. They don't want to see a two-yard dive up the middle on a, a rainy night in, in Cleveland. It's also because it's what translates to wins, right? Like, look at the last however many Super Bowl champions. How many of them had a dominant running back? It doesn't exist. And it's awful yep. for these guys. Like, I would argue running backs actually have more entertainment value than they do value to winning games. And, you know, because the their value to winning games is condensed between them. Could, you can speak to any defensive coordinator in the league, and the thing that terrifies them the most is not being able to stop the run, guaranteed. Even though it's, all offences are tailored to pass, it's not being able to stop the run because that's the, the worst well, thing visually but that's, for them. that's more down to the offensive line rather than the running back, is what I would say. And yeah, I, and yeah, I no, think no, if you, you can... if you look at where, NFL are, where the NFL are spending money now, like the top guards are making more than the top running backs the nfl are saying the top interior linemen in football are more valuable than the running backs so what this might lead to is people not wanting to play the position you talk about the current grouping and cameron your point about running backs might change in five or ten years if you have got a chance to be a running back or you could play tight end you know you might go wide it's it's going to lead to a different mentality of the, the talent coming up if you're you're not going to play a position that you're going to get hammered at if you're equally as good or if not better somewhere else the flaw the flaw with that though is that like most most running backs who play American football never play in the NFL. And in high school and in college, they are still glamorous positions. NIL in college means to learn more. High school players are still going to be the, the star of the school, all that stuff. So like running backs are still going to exist because running backs are actually valuable in college football and in high school because talent level spikes in those areas, yeah. which is where that impacts it. 
it's it's a fascinating story and one that I think we'll continue to see develop for a while. Now, I know we're about to lose Jamie. Um, so before we do that, um, let's talk about a, a bit of news that we've announced. As we've uh, the last time we met, we talked about our live event in Glasgow. Jamie, your thoughts on what is going to be an exciting night at Top Golf? We went through there in March. What were your thoughts on the venue? Uh, the venue is fantastic. In fact, I didn't know exactly what I was walking into, and it was just, uh, yeah, from start to finish, it was a, it was a proper thrill. It's been actually so thrilling seeing the reaction to us announcing this event as well, seeing people going, wow, this is brilliant, and getting right behind it. Um, people who maybe never given Top Golf a, a, a thought before, but they like the NFL. Um, and the other way around as well. People who are like, oh, I'm intrigued by the NFL, but I really like Top Golf. Um, we are, you know, we, I, I think it's going to make for a fantastic, a, a really unique event and not an event the sort that we've done before. I can't wait to see what the atmosphere is like out there when you've got maybe a couple of popular teams playing each other um, and different booths are playing top golf. So I think it's going to be Dallas against the Jets that night. Um, I imagine that might that one might 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 get a few juices flowing out there as the, as the <laughs> games go on. Um, it's interesting actually because of the tickets that we've sold so far, and there's about sixty percent as as we record, sixty percent of the tickets have been sold already. Um, this a slightly bigger uh, uh, attendance than we typically do for our events, so there are a few more tickets than uh, are usually available. But really pleased to have sold sixty percent so far. There is a few people on there that are people that come to all of our events. And there's definitely some few, a few people on there that have never come to any events before. Uh, and that's really exciting for us as well, because what we want to do and the purpose of this podcast and everything that we do is about building a community and get people along. And we hope that this night at Top Golf is going to be exactly that. NFL fans in all of these bays playing golf together, getting used to the facilities, which, by the way, for the ticket price of 20 quid, and the amount that it would cost you if you were to actually do this normally, let me tell you, it's a lot, it's more than 20 quid. Like, Top Golf isn't an overly expensive thing. It's actually a great night out, but we're getting used to the facilities for like seven hours. So, you know, that's not your typical game at all. Plus the fact that it's going to be have uh, red zone in the booths with the audio on. You're going to have the the full Sky Games inside the bar if you want to go in and get a pint. And Gordon, tater tots to dream of. Well, no, there's not tater tots to dream of because every single one in that building will be consumed by me. What I will say though is think the value is so good that for twenty quid, based on how much free free top golf you're getting for that, you're probably being paid fifty pound to have to put up our nonsense for an hour. Like, outside of that, you're getting 50, 50 pounds in surplus value. Yeah, how's that? How's that for value discussion? Top Golf have also donated the prize for us to give away. We will, of course, have Loch Lomond whiskey available because we've got Stramash bottles of whiskey to give away. There is loads to come along for. Um, sure to be great, great fun. But um, yeah, Jamie, you just drop when you need to. We'll continue to natter away in the, uh, on some of the talking points. And actually, another thing that we've launched this summer is our Patreon. So, you know, that's growing all the time, which is great. Uh, if Patreon. You... Patreon. 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 Ian, would you really expect Cameron to pronounce it correctly? It's pronounced Patreon. Do you know what? I actually shouted this on a, a, a plane like about 10,000 feet up over, over the Atlantic. I was listening to you guys with the podcast. I actually shouted it in the plane. It's 
Patreon. And the amount of people that turned and looked at me quite concerned, like, oh no, they see the beard, they go, oh no. <laughs> and then a woman said, he's not real, he's not real, and got off the plane. Is that what went down? <laughs> That's, we, finally, we finally found out who the passenger at the back of the plane was that that woman was saying that Mother F is not real. Um, yes, I can see Paul muttering away there, but he's put himself on mute, so we didn't catch any of that. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, I'm just glad he got on a plane without any problem. It's not something I'm particularly good well, at. He's not, oh, he's, not, he's not Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to top golf as well. I think it'll be a cracking night, so yeah, it sh- should be fun. Listen, see if there's any sceptics out there, and there probably are some, because let's be honest, golf is a far cry from American football, and it's not a sport that I particularly embrace uh, historically. But I went along, um, and with minimal golfing experience, I was able to hit the ball reasonably well. And it's 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 effectively like a game you might play in Nintendo Wii at Top Golf. There was people there as well that they're clearly on some sort of workout and they weren't golfers by any stretch of the imagination and they were having a, a great time so don't think oh no it's it's like a massively intensive golf simulator i can't play golf it's nobody nobody goes 10 pin bowling thinking that they're going to get 10 strikes in a row because of the greatest bowler that's you just go along have a couple of pints and have a laugh with your friends so uh, if anybody's worried about it being golfing don't it's it's not like that at all it's 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 really good fun i recently did a golf simulator in america when i was over there um and i've done top golf i've done top golf in america and here and the golf simulators are great right i'm not a golfer i cannot play golf i'm terrible um with the golf simulator I'll be honest, after a bit of time, I was like, there's no fun in this because all I'm doing is bad shots. The way that Top Golf is set up is there are targets all over the, the, the park, um, all over the fairway. And when we were there, Jamie, who's actually really good at golf, was mullering the ball all the way down. But it wasn't getting points because it wasn't going in the target. It's not about how far you can hit it, how accurate you can be. You just got to get it in the hole. But the holes are freaking massive. And uh, Paul Mitchell's gesticulating here because um, his scuff shots tended to find themselves skimming along the ground and find the hole. So Paul was was just picking the ball up and throwing it in. (laughs) Hey, I'll have, you know, I won both games, but I wasn't going to mention that again because I'm too nice. And, and the thing here as well is, like, we've got the whole ground floor. So, you know, we are going to divvy people up into into the bays with our groups and things like that. There's some singles, there, and people that have bought in one or two, we'll get them together. We'll make sure it's all matched up. We'll be there circulating. We do have a special guest who's coming along, someone who's played American football, um, played a game for the Chicago Bears, played more of uh, his American football somewhere else. But... Yeah, he's been on this podcast before. Hint, 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 hint. We'll uh, reveal that nearer the time. Um, uh, and there's going to be other things on the night as well. So listen, we really hope you come along. Check out our Twitter at Scotland NFL. Um, check out our Patreon. You can go to Patreon and search for Stramash. Um, and you can join that if you want. That's just £3 a month to join that. You get some behind-the-scenes content. You get exclusive access um, deals and things like that. One, so, one, one picture a month of Cameron in his pants. 
if that's what people want, I will post a picture of me in my pants. Um, we are potentially going to have a raffle as well because we've got tickets for every single one of the NFL London games this year. Uh, we're going to do an exclusive raffle for our Patreons for and for anybody who's bought a ticket by the 1st of August. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about it, get your ticket in by the 1st of August. We're going to give you exclusive access to a little raffle that we're going to do where the top prize is two tickets to the London game of your choice. You can pick because we've got all three. Um, so that's really exciting as well. Uh, more details to come on how you might be able to get those other tickets as well. But yeah, lots to talk about, lots to talk about. Anyway, Jamie has left us. We've talked about our events the other stories coming up, we talked about it already, quarterback. Gentlemen, have we watched it? What are our initial thoughts? Loved it. But it was, I thought, yeah, pretty good, wasn't it? Pretty good. It was it was so my my first feedback to you guys was the first couple of episodes, I didn't really love that there wasn't much about the nitty-gritty about the quarterback position. Mm. And then I got into the next episode. And all of a sudden, it's Patrick Mahomes like running through the various play calls and stuff like that. So that was really interesting. The Kirk Cousins stuff around his, um, like trying to train his brain around certain things, avoiding distractions was really cool. Uh, I thought Kirk Cousins came across really well for a guy who most people kind of laugh a little bit about. I, I came away from that kind of wanting him to win a Super Bowl at some point. Wow. Strong feelings indeed. I, I, like he, he came across as a pretty nice guy. I've only seen the first two episodes, so I kind of feel like I'm at, at where you were when you made your judgment. But before I share mine, Ian, what were your thoughts? Have you finished the whole thing? I'm I'm being sick in my mouth right now because I'm going to have to agree with Gordon. <laughs> um, I thought Cousins, uh, I, I would be honoured if he was a quarterback quarterback of my team. I'd be honoured if I was to play in an NFL team alongside him. You wonder why Justin Jefferson gets so many catches every year? Because you've got a quarterback that prepares as intelligently as, as he does and he sacrifices his body when he's he's playing. There's no questions whatsoever. I thought his family came across really well as well. Um, Cousins looks like he's, his wife is really solid with him and it, it just looks a nice, happy, successful athlete story that you don't usually get in the NFL. Um, I also love the fact that Netflix were just so quick just to get rid of Mariota, just as soon as Mariota went, oh, sorry, I'm not playing. They just set the cup out of the series. Did, you're gone, did, you're dead. So he, he got thrown under the bus in the way, so like later on in it, they they very much have it like this whole thing of like where, uh, he, maybe he didn't get thrown under the bus, but like the way the way that it's described how he left the team just made him, Atlanta, and Arthur Smith look pretty bad because there really was a pretty simple scenario whereby when they decided they were going to Desmond Ritter, they have a conversation. Mariota says, look, I need to have surgery on this at some point. This is going to help me for heading towards free agency. And also my kid's just been born. If you want to see what Desmond Ritter has for four weeks, can we just... I'll I'll shut down, I'll go get my surgery and I'll go spend time with my kid and you know, we can all leave on good terms and Arthur Smith, and obviously Mario hasn't had that conversation with Arthur Smith and that's on both of them, when Arthur Smith is asked about it at the podium, he's basically just like, yeah he's not here, don't know like, how, how have you two as a quarterback and head coach 
how how has that been handled so badly that you guys haven't went? Do you know what? This is going to make us both look bad. Let's let's figure this out. Uh, Mariota said that one of the reasons for going there was the coach. They had a relationship previously. It should have been better handled. I think it's one of these things where the the I don't know whether ego gets in the way, whether the grind of the football season gets in the way, but there's absolutely no doubt it was badly handled. I mean, even if even if he wasn't injured and the team had come out and said he was injured, you know, we're parting ways, you could have understood that because, you know, these kind of thing happens in the NFL and other professional sports. But it just I just thought it was a really bad look. To jump back to Kirk Cousins, he, he is the kind of guy that you'd want to go for a beer with. You know, he seems like a decent bloke. Um, to the take on family, I, I had somebody describe his wife choosing his clothes and making all these decisions to me as creepy. Um, I'm not sure I quite bought into that. But it's just thought, a, a slightly different take. I thought I thought you were about to say <laughs> described as Paul Mitchell like. Every, every single one of us and every single person listening has tried to leave the house wearing a particular outfit for their better half to say, you're not going to dress like that, put something else on. Everyone's had it, everyone's dressed by their partner. Um there's I don't think there's anything that. And when's, when's he going to go shopping? And if he does go shopping, he's going to spend his entire time being mobbed by people asking him for autographs. He can't just walk into like a Barnes & Noble or a Martin Spencer's. He has to have somebody do his clothes. And to be honest, see, when he plays, the, the kit guy lays out all his clothes for him as well. He doesn't pick his uniform. He doesn't wash his socks for, for uh, playing away at... Um, Green Bay. Somebody since the age of like ten, somebody's dressed him. So it's not it's not that. But um, we've not really spoken about it. And he is the kind of the superstar of the quarterback series. And, and Pat Mahomes, kind of interesting how he came across. And my wife was watching it with me, and she did not think them showing off the new house that they're building was a very good look, given current financial circumstances for many people. It's not Pat Mahomes that chose to show it. Um, it was Netflix that decided to show it, but she didn't think it was a very good look to be kind of flaunting the fact that he's got the biggest contract in the NFL's history. Um, I'm not sure I warmed to his family as much as I warmed to Kirk Cousins. Oh, so that way. That, that's interesting. Because So my take was going to be, I thought he came across way more annoying than I thought he would. Like, obviously, kind of competitor, but like some of the way that it was a bit annoying. But the person who I had a far better appreciation for than previously was his wife for two reasons. One... She just comes across as someone that really wants her husband to do well. Like, I think the worst you could say is she's got an annoying voice. Like the whole so thing does of he. her. So does the, he. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the whole thing of her, like you know, screaming and cheering him on, is just being a supportive wife. But then the other part was, you find out that she was a college soccer player who also went and played in Iceland. So you're like, oh, okay, this competitive streak that you've got is actually because you yourself played competitive sports. So you get all that stuff. So I I came away with a far better appreciation for for her, and I was always someone who thought like the the um, flack that she takes from fans is probably a bit much anyway. But I I thought she came across like way more likable than than people give her credit for. 
So I'm only two episodes in, and I want to caveat with that. I think the thing I feel so far, uh, two episodes in, so I'm not as informed as you two are, having gone much further, or three, I don't know how far you've gone, Paul. But episode three, fine. Um, for me, there's too much focus on the other halves. Like, I can't think of any other sporting documentary in any other sport that would focus on the wives as much as quarterback has focused on the wives for the NFL. And you get a very similar thing in hard knocks. And I feel like it's, uh, I think it's lazy content. Like there is so much. And again, there's more to come. I know the answer. I know the answer to this. Um, Last week I had a conversation with one of the guys at NFL UK. And hopefully not the guy who does their social media. Might have been. Also, uh, Clang, just telling us now, he's been chanting NFL UK. Yeah, yeah, of course. Are you turncoating, you prick? Well, uh, NFL Germany were busy, so <laughs> they wouldn't take my calls. <laughs> um, so the the conversation that I had, the, he was basically referring to the fact that what the NFL strategy is now is looking to get people interested in the game that are under 35 that might not have watched it before. And so we've all seen the kind of stuff in the past with the kind of influencers being at the games, et cetera, that kind of stuff. But what they're saying is they do is they want to focus on the personalities to try and draw people in. And this wasn't said, but I think that the Formula One series on Netflix might be the model that they're looking at because F1 has surged in popularity because of Drive to Survive. People that have never watched it before, especially in the States, have started watching it because of the personalities of the drivers and you get to see the stuff behind the scenes. And I think that's what's drawing... They want to draw fans in the same way. And I think that's what quarterbacks set up to do, is to show them family lives, to show them their wives. So perhaps when a partner is watching with somebody that is an NFL fan and they're watching it as a side just because they're there on the couch and they see the families and they might have an investment in that and it leads into them becoming more kind of watchers of the, the it, game. It is the best way to get casual people into it because you're it's that personality thing. That's like a an easy content thing. But see, I take that. But, so my wife would watch that. My wife would watch quarterback, but that's not that is not going to make her watch the NFL. So I I Full will stop. I will well. So I will say though that there's probably less of forcer to a game again. Yeah, there's probably less of it the the more you go into it. So it does right. delve more into the quarterback stuff, like as you go into it. So I think I, I think almost as much as they're trying to hook you on the NFL, they're hooking you on the series in those first couple of episodes. Yeah. It's not. It's not just. It's not just. It's not like making your wife watch, but it's giving your wife awareness so your wife now knows if she wants to go. If Oh, Cameron likes NFL. I can go to NFL shop now to buy my shirt. I didn't know I could do that before because I hadn't watched it. I was worried about getting them the wrong thing. I've seen a wee bit. I know what they're talking about, or I can get my football. Oh, or... Also, let, just, just to avoid us getting in trouble with our listeners who are wives... I've said Flash. partners. I've said partners. There's there's women that watch it. There, there, yeah. There's and women. There, them to do it, so, and there yeah. will, yeah, exactly. There will be like that. And there are 100%. times at home. There are times at home when I'll get sucked into watching a TV show that Roz has on that I would not normally watch because it's entertaining. Is it Love but, Island? And, oh, it'll be just no, or something. Your wife's highly intelligent. No, I've I've got like I've sat and watched like full episodes of uh, Love Island. 
No, oh no, she doesn't watch Love Island. Um, what's the new Sex and the City? Just and just oh like Jesus that, Christ! It's not, it's not, it's not good. But I get kind of sucked in. I also she watches EastEnders, so I gave her credit for not watching Love Island. She does watch EastEnders, and I a hundred percent hate watch EastEnders now. Like she has it on when we're sitting eating dinner, and I'm just sitting like shouting at the television, like what is what is this storyline? Anyway, we've gone way way off piste, and I'm can, very can, sorry for that. Can I can I bring it back? A couple of observations. One. I think they're trying to widen it out because what first things first, Netflix want a successful TV series and they want eyeballs. So you've got to widen it out. Two, if we're getting away f- from the NFL using influencers and actually looking at the people who are involved in the NFL, I'm all for that. Because if you are- <laughs> I guarantee you in this world, yeah. we're not getting away from influencers being no. used. If you're an influencer, you're a twat. And it really is that simple. Um, I think to, to dig into the, the wait, 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 Paul, Paul, what do, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you do in Good Morning Scotland? What's your, what's, your, what's your segment in Good Morning Scotland you sometimes come out it's on? Called, it's called Thought for the Day, but they've not... Where you're, trying to, to where you're trying to influence people with your words. No, I'm not you're trying an, to... Paul, you're an influencer. Aye, that'll be the day. Anyway, if we, if we pull it back, I think you're looking at different things from a, from a television series. I'm told Drive to Survive is brilliant. So many people have recommended it to me. I'm not an F1 fan, and I've not watched Drive to Survive. The tennis programme Netflix put out wasn't particularly great. The golf one didn't really take off. I'm getting a little bit fed up of the documentary style because it gets very boring. I think Hard Knocks, if we want to bring it back to the NFL, Hard Knocks, the Jets are objecting to all sorts of things. If we never saw Hard Knocks again, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think it's run its race. Yeah, I think quarterback right. I quarterback right. is, is trying to do something a little bit different, but again, it will have a shelf life. They are going to make a second series, but I think this one, I think the way they've shared it around to try and give you that background to family and things, I think is interesting because it's something you never see. I mean, as you know, I've worked in, in Scottish football for years. I've only seen one guy that I would describe as henpecked. He had to walk about four paces behind his wife. He had to take her suitcase with with him uh, as they went behind the track. And she used to give him hell all the time. So actually getting a glimpse behind, and I think the NFL and quarterback particularly... No, 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 no. Get, get no, no, right your back. We need I'm a name, tell, Paul. No, we need I'm a name. No, not giving you the name. There's not a, a chance. Give us a clue. Come on. I love, how, I love how he hates influencers, but he's gone full pop bitch here with his... Uh, <laughs> hey, let me, let me tell you a story from the days of Scottish football. You yeah. can hear about it on my podcast, Mitchell Says. Exactly. But I think what is interesting, if you look at, you know, Peyton Manning says all the time, quarterback's the biggest pressure. It's, the, you know, the one of the toughest positions in all the sports. It's very interesting to see the family support that people have got behind them you know so you know I think Kirk Cousins you know he's a couple of bad games during this period knowing that they've got their family to rely on you know it's a big thing for people and I think it's nice to see that but I am more heartened that we kind of get past that and more into the football side of it. Here's a question for you guys because this was the debate we had because Roz watched all of this with me now she didn't enjoy it to be perfectly honest there were parts of it that she was like oh that's interesting most of it she was like annoyed that she's less than two months away from it being on the TV for seven hours commercial free on a Sunday and uh, she's going to have to deal with it then, she's having to deal with it now but she she thought the statement from Manning at the start that quarterback is the toughest position in sports was controversial 
Mm. And I thought that it really wasn't remotely because I think, and I'll preface this by saying I'm, I'm only relating this to sports I know. So there's probably sports that I don't know enough about, but I think it's comfortably the most hardest position in sports that I'm aware of. I I, I don't. Oh, I I think it's uh, Formula One racing driver because it's the same level of. I mean, that's a, that's it's a leisure it's, activity rather than a sport, though. I, I mean, it, it really it really isn't. There's footage of uh, Ayrton Senna going round Monaco in '88. No, I know, I, any, and any that's could do it. that. That's fair. Maybe that is. Uh, maybe it's, that it's also is. it's also a level of risk involved as well with F1, where you could die at a moment's notice. Um, I think that that shades it, but it is a good question. I mean, I, I don't think being reserve goalkeeper for Sterling Albion is anywhere near as uh, mentally torturous as uh, being a quarterback in the NFL. I also think, like, if you relate it to the rest of the sport, it is so far because just because of how much you need to be aware of what everyone else around you is doing, like yeah, the Mike, idea. Of- Mike, Mike Backer, th- those guys need to know what everyone else does in defense. It's the same yeah, thing. But I like to a point, but I think as well, like the quarterback, because of the because of like the importance on what you do being tied to everything. Like the the Mike linebacker can know everything that he's everything that's supposed to happen on a play. And if he doesn't do his job on that play, it doesn't necessarily mean that that play is not going to go well. If the quarterback drops back to pass and he doesn't perform in that play, everything kind of goes to shit if it's a pass. But then that's only 50% of plays because he's handed off the other 50% of the time. Yeah. I, I, I think it is. I think it's the hardest position to play in team sport. I think that's possibly how you would couch it. Um, you, you know, from all the sports that I know, the element of risk, the preparation you've got to put through, the fitness in your body. I mean, Ian's right about, you know, be, being a car driver, you're talking about the G-forces, you know, minimal actions, you know, the risk from other cars. But I think in team sports, there, there's nothing that comes quite as close as that. Yeah, I was going to preface it with a field-based. So it's the best, hardest field-based sport position to play because I think there is an argument for motor racing. I actually think rally driving is potentially even a tougher one than F1. If you look at someone like... Um, no, you've got your you've got your mum sitting in the passenger seat. Go left here, now go that left. Is, that is, by the way, my, my mate George, who plays for the Edinburgh Wolves, his, his, uh, he, I, he doesn't anymore, but he used to do like... Um, I think amateur rally driving, and his mum was his, his co-pilot. It was great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but they, they, had a, they had a great time doing it. Like they would, um, like it was like a great like activity they did together. Um, and it was like a lot of little rallies and stuff. So yeah, it's cool. That'd be that'd be a nightmare if it was your mum. Must be like four four left into three right. Oh, is that a new Tesco? Don't look! Don't look! You're driving. I also think Ayrton Senna's time, obviously, the, the, you know. Tragic ending that he had, but I think the Formula One driving of that era is way more dangerous than the Formula One driving of this era. Um, it's still dangerous, but yeah, it's but they, they, a play, bit more sensible. Play, play There's more court, controls. Playing quarterback in the 1980s was a lot more dangerous. Uh, yes, valid. <laughs> That's valid too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, no, I didn't. Do you know what? I thought it was a really good opening with the Peyton Manning, and immediately it did make me go, oh. And I had a little thought to myself, and I couldn't immediately come up with anything, but I think Formula One's the one thing. But yeah, if it comes down to like individual capability, field-based, I can't think of anything other than the quarterback. We're, we're getting season two, so 
who do you each want to see on season two? So funnily enough, this is actually a question that someone asked in the Patreon. Oh. Um, George Jackson asked, but he added with a preface it saying that he thinks after the first season, the um, Kirk Cousins is up for one of the potentially most boring men ever. Um, who would we then like to see in a documentary? So the obviously Kirk Cousins hasn't landed well with everybody, but then I guess that that meticulous, um, detailed quarterback doesn't necessarily make great character. What it does is means very professional. That well, doesn't necessarily think, play as well as an Aaron Rodgers. On the back of Chris Jones's c- comments today about Mac Jones of uh, the New England Patriots, being the only, like, no, the comment was made by Mahomes saying, you, you try and get, have a good relationship with defenders so they don't try and hurt you. And uh, Chris Jones says, no, I've got a great, great relationship, just not Mac Jones. He's just he's just an arse. So I, I would love to, to be Mac Jones um, just to see why he's an arse. Show us, force, force Belichick to show us the inner workings of his, his franchise. Let's see. If you're talking think, to about the same three things, sorry, for so you're looking for someone who's perhaps on the out, someone who's trying to take that extra step they've not been able to take, and someone who's at the very top of the game. I guess that's your preface. It who would be your three? Sorry, Paul, I spoke over. Yeah, no, no. I, th- I think it's interesting because I think there's certain quarterbacks, as Ian said, will be ruled out because the access simply won't come from their teams. So you're not going to see an Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to see New England and things like that. Uh, in terms of interesting, you, you know, Gino Smith up in Seattle, it's going to be a very interesting season for him. Um, you know, that I think, you know, could be something, a story to tell. I don't think we'll get a Josh Allen or somebody of that, you know, that caliber. If they can get Patrick Mahomes, they can get a Josh Allen. Yeah. Surely. I I, get, I think there's a player who's a lock who's that level, but it's not Josh Allen. So I'll let you I'll let you carry on. Well, I think it might be Hurts. I think they might go to him because he, uh, but he. I think Hurts would be a bit boring. I think Hurts is a, a bit like Kirk Cousins. He's just it's just train focused game, train focused game. I don't think he'd be flashy. There's two possibilities that I'll float. One is Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think that's who I would, thought would be the guy. I I think because of you know because of the nature of his character, I think he'd be interesting. In terms of people picking up the phone and asking to be on it, um, Dak Prescott needs a bit of good PR. Could be Dak Prescott, you know, and, and I, it's I think, Dallas. So and it's Dallas. So you've got the storyline. So you know, some it's one of these things. I think quarterback program will approach certain quarterbacks, but I think flip it the other way. I think those quarterbacks will be sending the message out via their agent. We want on this, yeah, and I think he'd be one. I'd love to see Justin Herbert because I, you know, I, I I loved him in college with Oregon. I thought he would do well. I was really delighted with draft. I just like to see how he operates because he does look laid back, and you can't be that laid back and that good. I'd love to see more of him. I I would love to see one of prob- probably just one of these three because I think you want someone who's young and kind of like up and coming. It's Herbert Lawrence. Justin Fields, because there's so F- Fields. This is like a big year for him with, and also like you would be able to tell the story of them not going quarterback this year and stuff like that. The start, all that development. I think Joe Burrow is almost a lock to do it because the Bengals are going to be a Super Bowl contender. He's he's really good for sound bites. You're going to get great quotes with him all year. You're going to get him in tough physical games. 
all that stuff. So I think that's going to be a thing. And then I, I, Carr is a your Kirk Cousins role this year. Carr makes yeah. a lot because he's moved to a new team. Yeah, you know, there's that that stuff there. He's going to be terrible at points, so you're going to get the you know the trials and tribulations. No, I, I don't I mean that in the sense that he's going to be bad all year. I just mean like the way he plays quarterback, there will be weeks where he's bad. Just factually, that'll be the case. I think the other thing they'll be looking for is the the partner of the quarterback as well. Do they bring any sort of glamour? Um, they would always be on the lookout for a famous face um, to get on the programme to help promote as well. So do any of the current starting quarterbacks in the NFL have a particularly glamorous other half that Netflix would want to feature? It's yeah, a solid a point. point. Don't know the answer to that. No, I, don't, I have no idea. I don't pay any attention to that at all. No, no there's, a couple of, there's a couple of interesting storylines that, that I'd like to see, but I don't think because I don't think he'll start. It's Anthony Richardson. I think he'd be a fascinating follow. Mm-hmm. Um, he will start at one, some point, though, so that could be really He will start at will... some point, yeah. But but how quickly does he start? Um, Is the story more that Colts and do you more follow Gardner Minshew and then flip it? Like, because is Gardner Minshew the Mariotta role that, in that, that one? That might be what they do, because that's probably one of their takeaways on Mariotta and Ritter, was that, oh, if we'd carried on that story with Ritter, that would have made sense. The other, the other thing I would say is, do you need three? Because you've not seen the later episodes, uh, no. Cameron and Paul. Ian, you can give me your thoughts on this. Like, I thought the later episodes when it was just Mahomes and Cousins were way more interesting than them. And the Mariota story was kind of interesting, and it's maybe because of how you played throughout the year, but it was never that. Like, his backstory and his family life was way more interesting than the on-the-field stuff, whereas the Mahomes and Cousins on-the-field story was way more interesting. Yeah, I think Mariota, I think he was fizzling out himself in the kind of narrative of the programme. He wasn't that um, bombastic a character. He was quite reserved. I think he came across quite shy. But that was the kind of the kind of consensus when he was coming out of college. Teams were worried about him because he was quite a quiet character and they don't like that in a, a quarterback. And it, it, it came across and it gave more... I think that's when they started delving more into the the kind of strategic role of the quarterback with Cousins and Mahomes at that point, um, when Mariota was kind of sidelined out of it. I think they will still go with three, though, because it gives them a safety net in case there's any sort of issues. If one of their quarterbacks goes down with a week one injury, that's them lost 17 weeks of footage. So they're always going to have extra as a kind of backup plan. A um, couple of things just to touch on. There's a couple of names we haven't mentioned. You're talking about other halves that would be a draw. I think Jared Goff, his fiance is uh, Kristen Harper, who she's a model because there was the footage of her doing the um, swimsuit shot uh, photo shoot when he gets his first win for the Lions and she's celebrating that. Kiara and Russell Wilson are obviously royalty. I <laughs> As much as I think he's an absolute walloper, I think the the story of him in Denver and trying to come back under Sean Payton would be an interesting one. The one that I think if I'm Netflix that I want, though, and the one that if I'm the NFL, I definitely don't want them to have is Tua. 
and I think that the impact of the concussions last year oh, it, is yeah. a really and that like that's the story. That's the most but, fascinating but, story. But, but that's NFL will not let them anywhere near it. Not yeah. happening. Yeah, no. definitely not. No. Definitely. And, and it's interesting as well because they're going to be an interesting team to follow throughout the year. And also, like, Rodgers would be interesting, but we're getting him in hard knocks, so we're not also getting him in Netflix. No, if you want any sort of, like, Rodgers context, you just kind of tune into Fox News. It's the same sort of stuff. <laughs> you also you also just crush up some plants outside, boil them up, and ingest. Disappear into a cave for three weeks. Yeah. That's the other way to do it. Um, is, is, that, is that where Charles is? Is it? Is it is that he's not right. <laughs> he's he's regressed into the Aaron Rodgers cave. That's yeah. where he's been for the last few months. Um, Paul, one thing for you, having spent a bit of time in the states, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Like, I noticed <laughs> there was no content about Aaron Rodgers. And fine, it's not NFL season, and it's a real down point in the season. But I was in New York, which is the market. You were obviously in the states for like three weeks. There was a distinct, there was like no Aaron Rodgers content. I was surprised at how little we heard about him. The NFL stories were definitely more around the kind of the quarterback um, Netflix series and stuff like that and and the contract situation. The only thing I did notice was I saw more New York Jets jerseys than Mm. I've ever seen before. So, I mean, it is having an impact in those terms. I saw several Aaron Rodgers jerseys, which was quite interesting. But no, I mean... I think we're in the sort of dog days of summer where, you know, they, they start talking about which team's got the best toilet facilities, you know, and stuff like that. It's not it's not a great time for the NFL. You know, there's there's a lot of speculation. Um, so I don't think you really get that that hard news, you know, coming out. And I think Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, I think, have been deliberately low-key. They know they're going to have to go on hard knocks, which they don't want to do. Um, so I think they've just deliberately kept things very low key. Watching some of the some of the coverage, it, it is that time of the year where they're trying to find something to talk about and trying to be controversial. And there's not really that much in those terms going on that sustain these 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 channels. They'll try and find the odd argument here and there, but there, there wasn't a great deal. But as I say, I saw more Jets jerseys than Do, I though would normally see. It was, it was interesting you're talking about that, Paul, saying how it's there's not much going on and they're trying to find stories. Somebody tweeted Scott Hansen saying at this point in time, I would actually sit and watch seven hours of live training cramp being screened. And he, Hansen actually replied, well, watch this space. So I don't know if they're going to do anything in NFL Network, just showing training camp just off through the entire day, which would be quite interesting if they did. I think they will. I mean, you, you've got the NFL Network, obviously. They've got all the reporters there. I think we're going to see more and more of this because people just want to sit and stare at it. And you get the odd flare-up and things like that. You just get the talking heads talking over over the pictures. But, yeah, I think that that's where it's going to come because that is exclusive content to the NFL Network, and they'll pick up more and more of that. It's not overly exciting, but I think that's the way they're going. I mean, fans used to go, uh, you get thousands and thousands of fans would turn up at a training camp when they used to go out to those kind of colleges and would stay in the dorms and stuff. That's before they just did all their training camps at their their own practice facilities now. But it used to be a, a big thing in the summer for people to actually turn out and watch. Yeah, to go and see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting that I didn't really see any Jets tops when I was in New York, I'll be honest. Like, I feel like the people of New York don't, go out day-to-day wearing 
football jerseys. Of, it's because the kind of venues you were in, Cameron, they kind of took the tops off quite readily when you presented <laughs> them. Also, if you, where are you in New York? Because most of the time that you're Manhattan. in New York, yeah, like it's mainly tourists. Yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> and the business people. But so, yeah. However, what I did see, uh, and I feel like this is going to be accused of me being cheap, but on my last day, so on Manhattan, and it was 23rd Street, uh, yeah, 23rd Street, uh, I saw a, a man in his 30s wearing a full Rangers kit, uh, including the socks, which I thought was fascinating. And then there was another man in his 50s on my plane home, also in a full Rangers kit. So I saw two of them in the same day. Uh, I, I was like, I this... saw that. I saw that in Tenerife, a Celtic kit, and I was trying to take a picture of him, and my wife was taking my phone off me. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing sadder than an adult wearing a full football kit if he's not playing. Yeah. Oh, in the like, socks. So, wait, to be wait. fair, the guy on the plane didn't have the socks. He had white socks on, but he had the shorts and the top. If you are an adult on a plane for seven if you, hours, if you are an adult, the only times you should be wearing football kits, football tops, is watching your team or at some form of team-related event, like when we host an event for, um, yeah. like, yeah. you know, encourage everyone to wear those those tops, or play in sport. Five-a-side. Five-a-side yeah. should be, should be. But, like, fine, watching at home, or, like, if it's a day your team are playing, you know, you're going out to the shops to get some stuff. Go, going on holiday, oh, actually, I've absolutely just done myself here. I wore a Scotland top at Primavera last year. I've, I've put myself right in it. Uh, can I backtrack? Can we delete this? Does your does your national team kit make a difference as opposed to your yes, individual yes, team kit? Yes, thank you, there Paul. You thank you there for you the go. save. National team kits are always far more acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do you know what? And I'm not jumping to your defence in the slightest, but I actually do think that national team kits are slightly different. It is a and bit as long yeah. and as long as you weren't wearing the shorts and the socks. Yeah, if somebody, no. if, oh, somebody, God. if somebody turns up to Top Golf wearing an actual pair of NFL trousers, you, everyone's just going to be looking at them going, "What is this muppet up to?" <laughs> and, and people will say, "I'm sorry, it's Charles." Yeah, can I just say that in the parking lot of Animal Kingdom, I did see a Toyota Corolla, who on the left hand side was flying an Irish tricolor, and on the right hand side of the car was flying a Union Jack. So I think we had the ecumenical trip um, from from a certain part of Scotland that had gone to Florida on holiday and they're able to be together. I think it showed a lovely message. <laughs> but I wasn't allowed to take a picture of it and I wasn't allowed to tweet about it either. See, this is uh, why we have this is why we have wives to keep us out of trouble. Absolutely. Yep. To put Absolutely. us in good clothes yes. and prevent us from taking photographs. That Definitely. I, I, I had to go. I had to go a golden anniversary the the weekend, and my wife laid out my clothes for me. She told me exactly what I was going to wear, and um, my dad turned up wearing uh, it was his own golden wedding anniversary. He's there with his mom at the top table. He turns up with a Babbitt in Scotland white shirt on, like with big massive logo, and I was that to my mum. Why is he wearing the Badman? Well, that's the only good shirt he's got left. <laughs> so, so talk, talking of shirts, I th- I'd like to, to move on. I have bought a new Saints jersey because I was in New Orleans. I bought a new Saints jersey. That will be on display at Top Golf. But there have been some uh, uniform James, changes. James, James, James. <laughs> well, we, we shall wait and see. Um, the Jets have announced their new um, legacy uniforms. I think they look absolutely tremendous. Uh, the yeah, Colts great. have brought yep. out 
Yeah, the Colts have brought out their Indiana Knights uh, blue. Uh, I love the helmet. I don't think no, very much. No, the, the whole thing is awful. The whole I, thing. I, so I like the helmet. No, there's a meme and it's three dragons and two of the dragons are looking really menacing and the other one has like its tongue sticking out and like eyes going both ways. Yeah. That's what, in all the jerseys <laughs> that have come out, everything else, the, the second worst has been the Browns one, which has been kind of like just okay, but it's generally not that bad. By far the worst. The Colts one, the helmets are awful. There's there is no reason for that to be it. There's three reasons for it. One, the, the helmet. Two, the weird pattern on the blue. What even is that on the Colts? Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, that's no horrible. Bag. And also, you're one of the most storied franchises in NFL history. Just go with the throwback style from when Johnny Unitas played for you and you were in Baltimore because you've taken all the history from the team. There is actual old school rolling it back looks like a throwback jersey, not Indiana Knights. It sounds like a shite Will Ferrell film. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great line. I still like. I still like the helmets. What about the Broncos' uh, snowcap helmets? Also pretty what, good. I think they're stunning. I think they're absolutely stunning. I think they look beautiful. The white so one. People, Is this the white one with yeah. the old logo on it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the white one. It's got the orange stripe down the middle and it's got the old Denver logo on it. Uh, they're going to, I think, wear that two or three times. If it uh, didn't have season. that logo on it, I would have thought it was a Chicago Bears helmet is the only thing I would say. Yeah, no, I mean, it's got to have the logo. It's, you know, it, it just makes it makes perfect sense, but I think it looks looks absolutely tremendous. I like teams trying things. I, I, I say I'm with Gordon. The, the Colts jerseys leave me pretty cold. Um I think it's Arizona. I think I've done a rebrand that's and absolutely it's nothing. Boring. Nothing. nothing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's dull. You know, it's really dull. Um, so you can get it right. But given the amount of time that they put into this, the amount of market research they put into this, it, teams really shouldn't be getting this wrong. But I mean, the, the last lot of Jets uniforms are horrible. You know, so it's, be they, it's because they, it it's because they ask people who are basically clones of Jerry Jones, "Do you think this is good fashion?" Go, oh yeah, that looks like a little pretty, and people buy that. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. They have the final say. So, if you wanted to know what Jerry Jones sounded like with constipation, Ian, I think you nailed it there. Well done. Um, what about the Lions blue helmet with the old style Lions logo on it? I'm okay with that because again, it's kind of old school and like that stuff. I I don't think it's amazing, but it's still like everything makes sense until you get to the Colts who were like, "Oh yeah, we've just gone with a black helmet and a blue horseshoe on it." Listen, until somebody comes out with an Orlando Thunder kit, then all of our retro kits are just completely and utterly tedious and not worth the time. Orlando Thunder bust. Right, a couple of questions that we need to cover off from the Patreon people who we always ask, the Patreon people, uh, who we always ask them if there's anything that they want us to bring up. So George Jackson did ask, with the new kickoff rule being implemented this year, we talked about that in the last uh, episode, what other rules need to be changed to make the game better? No kneel downs. Oh, no kneel downs. No helmets. I, I think they need to get rid of scrums on uh, quarterback sneak. No. Oh my god. No. This is this was the worst thing that people got annoyed about last year. Stop the bloody play. Just it, 
Ian's idea of like, let's avoid kneel downs. Okay, they're going to be forced to play some more. That's good. Like, oh, I'm sorry. You cannot stop the fact that the Eagles can go a yard when they go for a scrum like that. Just stop it. Stop the play. Play defense. I hire a rugby coach. <laughs> They'll tell you how to stop it. Yeah, like just no, that that was the worst that I'm so glad the NFL didn't get rid of that play this year. It's that landed beautifully. Um any other rules that actually are worth reviewing in this one, do we think? Do we need to look at the one point, two point, three point no. attempt? No, no good coming up. The scoring part is fine. We get missed extra points. The the move they did with extra points where they moved them further back was really good and it made sense. We don't need to mess around. The two-point thing leads to tons of really good discussion. Like, how many Mondays do we spend in the NFL offseason going like, oh, they should have gone for two. They shouldn't have gone for two. Don't. That's going to get worse if you do one, Re- two, three. Replacing the onside kick with a fourth and 15 at your own 25. I'm not sure that's the answer, but I think we've got to get back to a competitive onside kick. Agreed. Um, and I, I would be keener to explore that. You know, I was listening to the last podcast recorded when I, when I was flying home and, you know, explained the new kickoff rules and the percentages. The only question I had about concussion being reduced by 15% was, what is it 15% of? And, I, you know, if it was 10 concussions and you're reducing it by 15%, May if it's a hundred thousand concussions reducing it by fifteen percent it's a big deal. I mean, so even I mean, if you go from ten to nine concussions, that's good. It's, it's inconsequential, almost, it's almost, though. It's inconsequential in the last. I mean, it's not a enough of itself, a. But to theory. me, that's not enough no, of a difference. No, no, that's it's that, not, that might be between the two years. That might be the worst take we've had in this. No, 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 no. Like going because from the 10 to number, nine. No, the it's small not, number no, makes no. it. A, no, you can't, you can't. We can't watch this sport and think that reducing concussions by ten percent is inconsequential. But moving Come it on. from ten to nine doesn't validate that the change you've made has actually influenced the outcome. There's not enough of a data range there to actually be able to say we've reduced it by fifteen percent. That could just be if the same two seasons have played, you might have got nine one year and ten the, the year before. It's too small of a data range to actually draw but a conclusion it, it, from. It wasn't. It wasn't like a one year data set. It was like over a period of time. I think was the yeah. was the thing. It depends on how long the period is then as well. The data set needs to be wide enough and specific enough that you can see a trend that's long. You know this, this is analytics, it's one-on-one. The the point is like dropping it from 100,000 by 15% is much more tangible because you can validate it against 10 versus nine. I think Paul was right. I'm coming, uh, to, I'm coming to bat for you, Mitchell. I disagree. <laughs> well, that, that's right. But the point going forward is I would I would like to see things that, may fundamentally change the game it needs to be quantified so fans can get behind it and actually agree with yes what kpis trying to do clear you know, kpis where we're showing yeah. what difference has been made by the rule that comes into play so even if uh, the the perception of the rule isn't such you can actually validate it with a subset of data that shows that actually this has been improved you should also I, I, do things though that you should do th- if you're making an assumption and your assumption is based on the idea that this this will uh, improve the health of our players, I I think that's fine to work on that as an assumption. Like the yeah the, yeah yeah I not, agree I agree the, with that I would say the the inconsequential part of that rule change has nothing to do with concussions, and the inconsequential part is 
it's not that much of a rule change. Like it's gonna, it will see a few smaller number of kickoffs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's that's a different flip, but ultimately the same argument. Um, the data set just wouldn't be sufficient enough. You need to see something that's actually got tangible change that you can validate the improvement. The improvement to the rule is actually giving the desired outcome versus just happenstance says that the number would be different that year for any number of different reasons. Um, I think, okay. So you, you ask what needs to change. I think the wording around some of the laws needs to change. The confusion that still surrounds what is a catch and what is not a catch is a pain. I think we know what a catch is when we see it. And I think we've got to try and get back to simpler language and just allow people to make the call. We know what a catch is. But like, you know, in, even just two or three seasons ago in, in, in soccer, you know what a penalty looked like. Now you've got no idea. Yeah. Um, depending on, you know, so I think we can overcomplicate things. I would just like to see the catch rule simplified. It's, it's a good point. I, I remember before VAR came in in football, we never once complained that penalties were incorrectly or correctly rewarded. <laughs> that was simp- simpler times when we didn't we didn't ever have any of these issues. You had like, the out of incompetence, though. Like, now... In, but there's still humans behind it! Yeah, 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 but what I mean is you've got that one-time incompetence, like, he's just not seen it. I can understand why in that moment you can't see it. When they're then looking at back at a video and you're watching the same thing again and again and again, you're like, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? Anyway, what just... about... Anything can be challenged. Uh, but, you, no. but only one challenge, no. failure. I ah. The challenge change I would make is that I would make challenges removed from coaches and it would just be uh, an upstairs decision on certain things. And I would look, I think you could actually make the whole process way quicker when you did that as well. Like you would maybe challenge more things throughout a game, but you would have the process where it was by far quicker thing. The other rule around that I would have is full-time referees. Yep. Bizarre that referees aren't full-time in a league as big as the NFL. For me, I think the change I would make is removing the whistle for a swanny whistle. So anytime like a receiver drops the ball, the the referee can go... Um, you, you're you're wasted in your current job, and we need to get you inside the NFL. There's no doubt. Last person to ask a question, Lee Kirkwood, and he's talking about the style of training camps. As a Broncos fan, last year's champ, uh, last year's camp, sorry, was akin to a holiday camp for our starters. This year, Sean Payton has almost promised an old school prison camp, just stopping short of breaking boulders and chains. Does the style of camp really matter? Should starters play in the priest? Hang on. <laughs> the, the, current NFL head coach who was once suspended for an entire season to the point where there's a Netflix film with Kevin James of him coaching a high school team is going to go with a prison style training camp. Has he honestly <laughs> said that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, fair play. Um, but like training camp, what's your views? Like, obviously you get different attitudes some teams want their starters playing and they don't really care. Other teams are much more relaxed. Do we have a preference? Do we think it has an impact? Should starters play in the preseason? It depends on what you're trying to achieve. You know, if somebody's coming back from an injury and you want them to get, you know, some type of game time, yes. 
rather than stick them out on week one. I think the answer to your question, Cameron, is you've got to know what kind of team you've got. You know, do you have 10, 15, 20 starters that you know are solid guys that are going to do all the physical work and are going to be ready? Or do you have some characters that need a little bit more, you know, that, that Sean Payton tough love, and you've got to work them a little bit harder. So I don't think there's any right and wrong answer. I think the skill comes from the coach and the coaching staff knowing their, knowing their players. Should I give a serious answer before my frivolous answer? Yeah. No. I think my, my, <laughs> my serious answer is, is back in like when uh, you had that uh, the Paper Lions book was written with the the writer that was embedded with the Detroit Lions for the, the whole preseason and they were staying in dorms and like two day sessions and stuff like that. Um, science is now heavily invested in, in the NFL and players know, uh, coaches and staff know exactly level of fatigue, level of injury, etc, etc, etc. So they're far better, far more data with which they can make assessments and how they should um, train their players, coupled with the union negotiating heavily to get extra caveats put in place. So the, the protection in their heads, the amount of contact days they can have, etc, etc. So it's, it's, it's science that determines a lot of what can actually be done in training camp now ahead of rather than just a, a coach thinking his team aren't tackling well enough and making them beat each other up for like four days in the week. Um, but my favourite training camp was when the strength coach for the Chargers came back from 1968 Olympics and had spent time with the East German weightlifting team and decided that the San Diego Chargers training camp, that all the offensive linemen were to take a blue pill every single morning. Um, <laughs> and uh, at the end of training camp, all the offensive linemen had put on 20 pounds and were just running around trying to murder everybody. <laughs> I, think that's when, I think that's when steroids was first introduced into the NFL. So that was my favourite ever training camp. <laughs> We should do that at um, Top Golf. Just give random pills to all our um, podcast members and just see what happens. Nobody knows what they're going to end up getting. You could have a placebo. You could have methamphetamine. We don't know. Enjoy the night. You could have Viagra and not need to use the clubs and just go swinging wherever you want to swing. Um, Gordon, training camps. I mean, the only thought I have is that uh, I'm pretty certain. <laughs> we got Gordon top, straight after straight after talking about erectile top dysfunction. Golf. Well, erectile dysfunction. Gordon, <laughs> top, top golf are uh, probably cancelling the event at this point in time. <laughs> They're not cancelling the event. We're, we're selling tickets. We're going to make. We're the also money. selling drugs. I'm actually worried. No, we're just going to give them away for free, the drugs. Uh, that's, that's right. Yeah. That's Listen, I'm, I'm worried that NFL fans of the podcast haven't been quick enough to get tickets. And it's people that like golf that have bought the tickets because they're saving like 50 quid by coming to an <laughs> event to play golf. If you're an NFL fan, buy tickets before the golds they've sold out. There's too many golfers that are buying. Ryder Cups this year, people are daft for golf. I think it's this year, isn't it? It's um, Italy. Um, Gordon, erectile dysfunction. Yes, Gordon. Training camp. Is Joan Lamar playing in the preseason? Uh, yes, because there's a new offense being installed. Like, you've got to balance up the, like, the risk and stuff like that. But if you're an NFL fan, 
how much of a difference does it make to your season if your quarterback goes down in week one of preseason or week two of the regular season if he's out for the season? You're still fucked. Well, here's here's a potential rule change then. In preseason games, quarterbacks wear red shirts. Probably, yeah. That'd be fair. I th- I think though as well, like, yeah, if there's a significant change, like you want Aaron Rodgers playing, right? I bet you Aaron Rodgers doesn't, but you want him playing for the Jets because it's a whole new team. Josh Allen doesn't need to, probably. Josh Allen could sit the whole time and be fine. And I think it's all about circumstance. It comes back to that, right? It's everyone's different. Some teams need a rocket. Russell Wilson needs to build a bond with his team. You probably want to see Russell Wilson playing. See if Russell Wilson doesn't play, I'll be surprised under Peyton if that's the case. But if Russell Wilson doesn't feature at all in preseason, I think there's... Well, did did Breeze get much time off um, at the Saints? I don't, I don't think he played much in preseason, no. did he? No, he didn't play a great deal, no. Garrett Stidham did, he didn't want taking it, over. He didn't want to burn out Drew Breeze's arm too much in August when it was only going to last till October. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, any other any other news items before we wrap this bumper edition up? Yeah, Cameron, just a quick shout-out to Mike Horse at the New Orleans Saints, their play-by-play guy for um, the, the tour that he gave me of the Superdome uh, just earlier on this month. It was very kind of him to do so, and the Superdome's undergoing extensive renovations, and it's looking great. We also need to give you credit for how quickly you arranged that interview with Mike Hoss and how it coincided with it being right before you went to New Orleans. And it, the, just what an amazing coincidence that wound up being. Unbelievable. And Mike says thanks for the bottle of whiskey. He really appreciated it. <laughs> it's amazing where whiskey will get you in the world. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I can't see any other breaking news. Okay, someone oh, no, check rap been, sheets. Uh, well, Trayvon Diggs. Five years, yeah. ninety-seven million. That, yes, that's quite a good deal for Dallas. I think based on the market, like that's per year, that's kind of similar to what Marlon Humphrey signed like two or three years ago. Um, so like, and I, he's not as consistent as or as good as the interceptions suggest because he does give up quite a lot of yards. But I think the Cowboys have done pretty well out of that, as well as well as you can do when you're paying almost twenty million dollars a year. Yep. Yeah. Um, Michael Badgley is signed for the Commanders, so the Money Badger is back kicking footballs. So that's something. Brock Purdy is good to go, says John Lynch. Nick Bosa is going to sit his arse until he can get a deal, which I think is not unexpected. I will be interested to see how that plays out. Hopefully they sort it sooner rather than later. However, the salary cap doesn't have a huge amount of wriggle room, so something's going to have to happen there. But um, that's probably the main stories, right? Yeah, fine. The, the, the Purdy thing is like a big story if he's ready to go because it ends any discussion about who starts. Yes. It does. So I will be a bit disappointed because I would really quite like to see what Kyle Shanahan could do with Sam Darnold for four weeks because that would be like the final proof that it doesn't matter who plays quarterback, he's going to get some kind of production out of them. <laughs> I, it does also argue like if he comes in, then Brock Purdy is just another no mark. But then he's like the 48th paid quarterbacks. When you look at the list, he's way down the list of wild because he's seventh round pick. Mental, mental. It's, it's great. It's, yeah. you know, like. If it works. It, it'll be really interesting. The thing is, though, like, if he's good to go, surely Trey Lance isn't on that roster by October. Like, trade deadline is the. Like he had because 
because you're not if you're going with him and there's no competition, you've just decided at that point that like you're, you know, get a fourth if you can get a fourth. Right. Okay. That's it. Full-time whistle goes. That's the end of this episode. Uh, we will be back again very, very soon. We're going to get into our season previews. Uh, obviously, August is the month where all of that conversation takes place. We'll start to put our neck on the line. We'll be horribly wrong, as we always are. Uh, and we'll start to build up to what is going to be a scintillating season. Thank you for taking the time to listen, though. And always reach out to us at Scotland NFL on Twitter and join our Patreon and go buy tickets for our live event. Yeah, Indeed. before the tickets sell out, it's going to be a sellout. It's going to be great. As Cameron says, we'll be back at the start of August with some of our previews. But for Cameron, for Ian, for Gordon and myself, we had Jamie as well for a little while. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye.